Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to be philosophizing a little bit. I think that it fits well in regards to the upcoming full moon on September 10th, but I do feel that the information we're talking about today is applicable all year round (laughs) as seekers, as mystics, as those who like to tap into the subtle realm or the realm beyond into other symbols and languages, you know, decoders of the world, if you will. And they show up in many different ways. A lot of us are astrologers. We seek symbolism and meaning through the astral bodies, through subtle energy felt here on earth. Some of us are tarot readers or oracle card readers, again, noticing signs and symbols, emblems. Some of us are energy readers. (laughs) The list goes on and on, but there's kind of this theme where we're trying to tap into something. Um, I, there's a part of me that wants to say that's beyond the veil, but I don't really know if that's the case. And, you know, it'd be interesting to philosophize with someone just on this topic, but I think it's something that's kind of right here. Um, all the time, it's just always a little bit more subtle and we have to have just the right perspective. We have to be seeing things just so, you know, clearly beyond our own ego, beyond our own expectations, right. In order to really see what's happening moment to moment, to receive messages from the universe in clarity, to be able to read transits without our own bias and without our own projection, or even, you know, our own excitement or our own fear, being able to view things with a neutral lens. And same thing with tarot. In order to read tarot properly, we have to really remove our wants and desires and our ego in order to get a clear reading. And I'm sure it's the same with with deep energy work. We can't be ascending and projecting. It's more of this art of receptivity and polishing polishing ourself, our perspective, our desired outcome, right? Stop projecting that out. It's more of this neutralizing presence of what is or what could be, you know? And I spend a lot of time thinking about this as a tarot reader because I do read cards for clients and I read cards for my friends often. (laughs) I always tell them I have to take a second to kind of clear myself out of the way to kind of clear my own stuff. I tell that to my clients too. Um, A lot of you, if you've gotten a reading with me, I'll sit there and shuffle for a while as I'm kind of getting myself out of your reading. Um, But this, it comes into astrology too, where we... Um, and I say we, you know, those listening, perhaps you don't struggle with this, but for me, um, when I'm reading the chart for others, I can look at it a lot more clearly. I can see things with a lot more neutrality and equanimity, but when I'm looking at things for myself, (laughs) that's always a little bit more challenging. And so I usually have help. I'll go to somebody else, um, I'll, I'll have one of my teachers or maybe even a friend who's proficient in astrology kind of take a second look because it's really hard to be clear and to be unbiased when it comes to ourself. And just a quick aside, what this podcast is going to be about, this divine mystery, 
when I'm um, leading the Inner Knowing Vedic Coaching Program, which I actually am having signups for. So if you're interested in joining the Inner Knowing Vedic Coaching Program, it's a six-month program. It says nine months on my website, but it's six months. Go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings, and you'll see the coaching program. It's a lifestyle program that integrates sadhana, spirituality, and the Vedic sciences of Ayurveda and Vedic astrology to help you cultivate a life of meaning and awareness, clarity, alignment. It's... Um, it's been such a pleasure to develop and it's always so exciting to get to share with others. But anyway, in, in the coaching program, we start off by cultivating this connection to source, uh, to spirit universe with a daily sadhana, a daily meditation practice. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because when we want to do any of these esoteric practices, when we want to partake in any of these practices that rely on intuition and rely on energy, and connecting to subtle bodies. That's really like my main way of looking at things is when we're connected to subtle bodies. It's so important that we know how to come back to equanimity, that we know how to come back to neutrality, and we can decide, or really we can decipher the difference between our ego, between our discernment, between our source, our intuition. It's kind of like learning how to sort through those things. That doesn't happen overnight. doesn't even happen in six months. You know, that's something that's an ongoing process, but having a daily meditation that we stick to is one of the first steps to start really developing that. And so it's that connection to spirit, to source, to universe that kind of helps guide us to know like, hey, is this a place from ego? Is this a place of my own desire that's getting in the way of reading this? Kind of going back to the astrology bit that I was mentioning a moment ago, it's like for me, when I'm looking at my chart, you know, I'll be thinking, oh my God, this is going to happen. Oh my God. <laughs> in eight years. Oh God, you know, I'll, I'll be thinking about this and I can have a tendency to, to, um, and this isn't something that I'm struggling with now, but it's something that I've struggled with in the past where I will, uh, dwell on something years ahead and think, Oh God, well, it doesn't matter what I do now because then this is going to happen. And that's just not a healthy way of using astrology. Another unhealthy way that I used to use astrology would be, you know, I have a, pl I have some placements and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, never gonna, I'm never gonna get what I want anyway. You know, I'm never gonna get what I want in partnership anyway. May as well just give up. <laughs> <laughs> just settle for like whatever comes my way or you know and then and this was seriously this was like years ago and uh I started looking at it a lot differently that the way that planets are set up it's not to limit us ever nothing in our birth chart is intended to limit us it's intended to teach us to help evolve and grow past our limitations, past what we think we're limited to. And there are challenges in birth charts. There are things that come up. There are road bumps. Yes, right. There are inevitable things that are built into a birth chart that are challenging and difficult. And it does not mean that we're limited. It means that we need to invest more energy in that area of life to learn. We need to invest more energy to 
overcome our own obstacles, to understand how we relate to that topic in life, because it depends for all of us. It could be relationships, it could be work, it could be home life. Our perception, uh, our limiting beliefs, our narratives, what we project onto these things in life, because at the end of the day, it's all about us, how we view things, how we interact with things. So when we are born with a birth chart that has certain challenges, it's our responsibility in this lifetime to work, to grow through, overcome, evolve into a better version of ourselves. So I've come to understand that with time, but there was a point where I would use this birth chart and I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm so limited. I have this, you know, thing that's never going to, and we can't view it that way. And this is a segue kind of into the greater topic of this podcast, which is surrendering to the divine mystery. And I want to clarify, um, in my belief system, I come from this belief system that's heavily rooted in the Bhagavad Gita. Y'all have heard me talk about the Bhagavad Gita before. There is this idea of surrendering to divine will, right? Surrendering to the universal flow. But we always have to take action. It is our dharma. It's our mission and our responsibility in this life to act. But when we're acting in dharma... The rule with that is that it has to be to better the world around us. It has to be to better ourselves. In that moment, moment to moment, as we continue to act in each, you know, choice that we make, it should be to better ourselves, better the world around us. It should be for the betterment. It should be ethical and virtuous in whatever capacity. That's the dharmic action. And then from there on out, it's up to God. God's will, universal flow, whatever it will be. So that dharma that I was just discussing, that's when we see our birth chart, we familiarize ourselves, we see that there are challenges to work through. It could be the same thing with tarot. We're pulling tarot, we get a reading. Uh, there are challenges presented that we really resonate with. It's our dharma, it's our responsibility to work through things that we know are limiting us, that are challenging us, that we should evolve through. But then there comes this point where we don't have control. And this is what I really want to spend time talking about with the full moon, with this surrendering to the divine mystery. And before we jump into this portion, I just want to premise this by saying it was heavily influenced by my teacher, Rishi. I would not have... Uh, this level of embodiment to surrender had I not met Rishi and learned from him. So everything really goes to him. I also want to give credit to my beautiful friend, Isabel Myring here in Austin, Texas. She and I had breakfast the other day and uh, we have similar birth chart. Well, we don't really have similar birth charts. We have similar placements and we're kind of both moving through some parallel stuff <laughs> and we're having breakfast and she's... um. She's giving me her father's wisdom advice that's so simple and so profound. And he says, it's already big. Don't make it bigger. So when there are things in our lives that feel big and overwhelming, the more attention that we put on it, the more energy we put on it, the more that we cut, like the more that we try to control it or manage it or predict it the bigger it becomes in our psychic awareness, the bigger it becomes in our space, the more out of control it begins to feel because we can never control something outside of us. So when there's something big, 
don't make it bigger. Don't add fuel to the fire with your energy, with your focus, with your obsession, with tarot card pulling, with, you know, obsession over a chart. Sometimes there are things that are beyond our control. So Isabel telling me that was very powerful and it kind of went along with what we're going to spend some time talking about today. So shout out to Rishi and Isabel, my other guru. So talking about surrendering to the divine mystery as mystics who whose mission is to support others with prediction um, and understanding. So much suffering in life happens because we have a desire to control. When at the end of the day, the only thing we can do is control our actions, right? That's the only thing that we can control in life is what we do, what we say. Suffering happens because we have this desire to predict, which is kind of funny because all of us um, here either enjoy predictions or we help others with predictions or forecasts in some way. And using astrology, we can absolutely make predictions, but there are limitations that we're going to talk about today. We'll get more into that. Suffering occurs because we try to gain understanding through speculation I learned this through my therapist. I would always try to understand other people by just speculating. Uh, What did he mean when he told me this? You know, what was he thinking? What did he mean? What was this? You know, why would my mom have done that? Like, what could she have been thinking? How could it? There's some value in speculating. I feel like that there's some cathartic thing that happens when we speculate with our friends and whoever. But at the end of the day, we will never be able to understand what someone was thinking or feeling unless we talk to them and get an honest response. Suffering comes through trying to understand through speculation, okay? Suffering happens when we try to decide what is best for other people. (laughs) When we think that we know what's best for a loved one or we think we know what's best for a friend. If we're talking to an adult... They are going to be the ones who have to live with their choices. We can't control what they think. We can't control what they feel. And sometimes that's painful for us. You know, if someone decides that it's better for them to leave a relationship, if someone decides that it's better to move across the country, you know, to leave the job, it's your coworker, you love them, you don't want them to leave. We cannot decide what's best for someone else. If somebody chooses to exit a relationship, That's what they believe is best for them. If somebody decides to move, if somebody, and it's painful, I know it can be really, really hard to hear that and to think about that. But when we release that, finally segueing into when we don't make things personal, we suffer when we take things personally. Hardly anything in life is personal. Everything that's happening has to do with, you know, what's happening inside of us, what's happening inside of you, what's happening inside of him, what's happening inside of her, what's happening inside of them, etc. All of us have something happening inside of us and it's going to cause us to make choices and make decisions. Oftentimes it's absolutely nothing to do with anyone else directly. So as people are making decisions and choices for their lives, it reduces a lot of suffering when we kind of create a little bit of that separation, kind of clarify that we are all on our own unique path. We all have our own karma. We all have, you know, our own mission. It's not a personal thing. So 
Again, quick list. Suffering happens when we try to control, when we try to predict without limits, when we try to understand through speculation, when we try to pretend that we know what's best for everyone else and try to control them and their behavior, when we take things personally. These are some easy ways to uh, have some quick doses of suffering <laughs> throughout our day or throughout our week. And these are things that I get caught up in, and I'm sure a lot of us get caught up in as well. And so recently, I had my teacher come and visit Rishi, and we were talking, and I've been going, you know, things are on the up and up. Things are starting to level out for me, but the last few months have been very intense. And a lot of what Rishi and I spoke about was this concept of surrender. And and I'm going to share, you know, a little bit here that's a little bit more personal than I typically share. Um, I had a beautiful woman, Amy, tell me recently that she wished that I shared more personal things. So I'll go ahead and share some more personal things. First of all, <laughs> I pride myself on humility. All right. I try to be as humble as possible. And Rishi came and he says, can I give you a reflection? And I'm like, yeah, of course you can give me a reflection. He's like, well, it's probably not going to feel good. And I was like, that's even better. I love it when it hurts. Hit me. <laughs> like, I love tough feedback. And he's like, I sense a lot of arrogance in you. He's like, I think that you're arrogant because you think that you know what's best for other people at times. And he's like, and this was in regards to uh, my partner, not in regards to anyone else. But he was talking specifically about like an intimate relationship that I was in. Um, he's like you know, that person, they, they know what's best for them. They're an adult. They're making decisions for themselves. You know, you, you're not a part of this decision-making process. And he and I talked extensively about that, but it was very grounding and very clarifying. And it helped me release that desire to control and rest and surrender into my own path, my own purpose, what I'm wanting to focus on, redirecting all of that energy Right. If something's big, don't make it bigger. Taking all that energy on something, putting it back on myself. Right. And then the other thing, this was the big one that I really wanted to share with y'all. He's like, you're arrogant. <laughs> I am. I am arrogant. Unfortunately, I'm going to work on it, guys. But he's like, you're arrogant because you think that you can predict everything. He's like, you can predict things. It's like, you can definitely predict things. There are a lot of predictions that you've made that are good. And you don't know everything. He's like, you don't know detail moment to moment what's going to happen. You know, day to day, what exactly is going to happen, exactly how something is going to show up. He's like, you're not leaving room for the divine mystery. And there was something about that that completely changed how I view everything. Because the way I had been approaching astrology and the esoteric is it's like I have this method I have the science you know I can I can figure these things out because this is what it all means I didn't take a step back to remember that at the end of the day this is a this is a spiritual practice this is with the underlying acceptance that there is a universal force that's beyond my power that there is divine will that there is you know a, a more powerful hand at play than me and my ability to decipher astrology. 
I wasn't leaving enough room for that. I knew it cognitively, you know, but I wasn't leaving enough room, at least how I was viewing my own life. And for me, again, it it relieved so much anxiety. And I I wanted to offer this to you all. And I'm going to put this in um, some examples. But when we're looking at our birth charts, and a lot of y'all listening are very advanced. And when you're looking at your chart, you have a good idea of what you're looking at. Um, But even if you don't have a good idea of what you're looking at, and you're just thinking about potential in the future, At the end of the day, we have to be dharmic and take action to make our life what we want it to be. You know, if if we want to have love in our life, we have to be loving. We have to work on ourselves. If we want a house, we have to be diligent. We have to be consistent and dedicated and disciplined to our work to make that happen. You know, it's like there, if there are things that we want in our life, we have to take action. Okay. Dharmically. And when we're looking at our birth chart or when we're thinking about the future, And we get caught up in the what ifs and, oh God, well, I know that this thing is happening in the next few years, or I know that this, you know, Saturn is coming. I'm going to be in Sati Sati, or I'm going to have a Saturn return or like Rahu on Saturn or whatever it is. Yes, we can get a general idea of what that's going to feel like. We can tell that absolutely with astrology. We know that. And we are not going to be able to tell. 100% exactly what is going to happen, how it's going to play out, how you're going to feel, what support systems are going to step in, who you're going to reconnect with. That is all a divine mystery. And I will say in all of my years of practice and in my years with astrologers, there are some pretty profound astrologers who have been doing this for their entire life and they can make some pretty amazing predictions. There are even a few astrologers who can eerily (laughs) and amazingly know when certain events happened in our life. You know, when you were four and a half years old, your, you know, parent was in a car accident or they'll be able to see things in the future. But I really do think that those selected people who are that tuned in, I think that it goes beyond just the astrology. I think that they are highly evolved souls, and I do believe that they are tapped into one of those subtle layers, one of those subtle energies. I think that it goes beyond just the astrology. That's my theory. That's how I feel about things. I think there's something more mystical to it when individuals can be that prophetic. But the majority of astrologers, the majority of astrologers that I've met, the majority of astrologers that I hang out with, Um, in my kind of peer group, right? Because we're young. Like in my peer group, it's like we're all young. It's like we've been doing it like 10 years. That's like a baby astrologer. (laughs) There are people who have been doing it 50, 60 years, you know? And amongst us, it's like we can do some pretty good predictions. I've predicted when friends are going to get married. I've predicted when people are going to have children. I've predicted when people are going to get sick. You know, it's like I've, I've made solid predictions, and even globally, you know, I've, I've been able to make some solid predictions. And this is what I was telling Rishi, right? This is like, I've made predictions. <laughs> I knew these things. It's like, yeah, but I didn't know the subtle layers. I didn't know, you know, verbatim the exact day. I didn't know uh, the place that the people were going to meet to get married. Or there are these subtleties that I don't have awareness of. 
And sometimes in my own life, things happen that I wasn't predicting. I didn't foresee coming, you know, in the exact way that it happened. Um, and so this idea of leaving room for the divine mystery is incredibly important. And I think that it also takes a lot of stress off because, yeah, using these tools of astrology, of tarot, of, uh, what is it? Ruins, I, I believe is what they're called. We have these different predictive techniques, whatever predictive technique we're going for. If we see a psychic, if we go to a palm reader, we get a prediction and that could be it. You know, there could be something along those lines. It could be something like that in our future. And especially if we see it with the astrology, it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, we know. We know that we're going to have some tough stuff happening in the sixth. We might want to watch our health. Okay, we know tough stuff in the seventh, maybe the relationship stuff, whatever. But when we're more open and receptive to learning, when we're more open and receptive to exploring, like, okay, what is it going to be like? You know, can I be open and receptive to the messages at that point in time? Can I trust myself enough to know that I'll be able to handle it when the time arises? Can I trust the universe to know that everything in my birth chart is constructed for my evolution and for my development? Can I really trust that? You know, Trusting that the universe wants what's best, trusting that I'll know how to handle it when the time comes, and also not trying to speculate on what it's going to be, not trying to totally take control of the future and figure it out, right? At the beginning, we talked about the desire to control, the desire to predict without limits, trying to understand through speculation, trying to decide what's best for ourselves, even, um, this can all come up. But when we truly surrender to the mystery, we're no longer trying to control the future. We're no longer trying to pretend with that arrogance that we can predict every little single thing. There are some things that the universe doesn't want us to know. There are some things that are always going to be a mystery that we're never really going to know, right? Until the universe decides it's time. If we're not trying to speculate, go back and forth. What could it be? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be this? And then, of course, deciding what's best for ourselves. I think that we always think we know what's best for ourselves. We think that what we want, what we think our future should look like, we think that that is what is best for us. And that's an arrogant way to view things. If you're looking, if you trust in divine mystery, and if you're on this kind of same page as higher power, universal flow, like however you want to see it, God, goddess, if you're on that page, then we can all kind of agree that that energy is benevolent, one, and two, it wants what's best for us. It's looking out for us. It has our back. It knows ultimately that there's going to be something on the other side. Rather it be something energetic that we are meant to learn or philosophical that we are meant to integrate relationally, whatever it may be. And we can't cling to things because the universe has this way of kind of playing with us. And that's the Leela. If you've ever heard that word Leela, it's the divine play, the play of the divine. And so sometimes things will happen to me that are crappy and I'm like, all right, you know, Krishna, because for me, that universal flow, that energy, I, you know, Krishna is that. 
It's like Krishna's playing games. Krishna's having fun. I'm not having fun right now, (laughs) but the universe is having fun. And I trust that this is all for the greater good. What can I learn in this moment? What am I supposed to be absorbing? How can I act dharmically? How can I still show up fully for this, you know, present full in this moment? Because even in the challenging times, even in the trying times, that's a, that's a highlight in your life. Something is happening. Something you're either supposed to be learning, you're supposed to be seeing something. Something is coming to the surface for you to utilize for your future, for your evolution in some way. And, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to see that. I don't want to negate that because I know that all of us have different things that are kind of going on to different levels of intensity. Um, So I want to make space for that. Sometimes we're not in the headspace to kind of come here and, and think about that. And that's okay, you know, but But if this is resonating, hopefully you're able to take something away from this that is helpful. Because for me, being able to see where I was being arrogant and trying to pretend that I could project the outcome entirely or trying to pretend that I could control, you know, the future or know all the, all the mysteries, you know, all the things like really just seeing myself that way, it really helped me soften And say, you know, I can do the best that I can. I can try my hardest with this, but I'm never going to know every single little minute detail. And when it comes to tarot, I forget who I was talking to this um, about. I believe it was my friend Anna Pilar, one of my best friends here in Austin. She's amazing mystic, very, very mystical, very skilled, touched by some other, you know, force. She's very, very goddessy. She and I were talking and we were talking about pulling tarot and how sometimes when we get freaked out, and I know some of y'all can relate to this, it's like we get stressed out and then we just start pulling tarot. It's like (laughs) when we do that, when we fall into that zone, we are no longer clear. Everything is charged with fear and anxiety. We are no longer a clear channel and we're really not leaving space for divine mystery. Same thing with astrology. If we're having fear and anxiety, when we look at our astrological chart, all we're going to be able to see is negative stuff. If we're only feeling optimistic and positive, we look at the chart, all we're going to see is positive and optimistic stuff. Same thing with tarot. It's the practice of coming back to neutrality and equanimity and then that ultimate surrender, which I believe that that balance creates an amazing ability to connect with your own chart and a profound ability to work with other people using astrology and using tarot. And kind of piggybacking off of that um, example of everything kind of getting charged with our feelings, this is applicable to life as well. When we act out of fear, if we act out of feeling overly excited you know, overly zealful, um, depressed, when we take action from the extreme emotional places, the outcome is not going to have a connection to that clear space of equanimity inside of us. It's so important to wait, to say things, to verbalize things, to converse, but also to take action when things are still if we hear something we get super excited we just want to jump you know jump the gun and say yes to an opportunity 
just want to jump the gun and say, yeah, I'm going to travel. You know, I'm going to buy these tickets, whatever. Sometimes, sometimes that's okay, but (laughs) sometimes it works out fine. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't when we enthusiastically throw ourselves into something in the heat of the moment because we're thrilled. And then four days later, we're totally regretting it. Same thing when we're feeling anxious, we're feeling tons of anxiety. We, you know, get totally overwhelmed, hijacked. We're out of it. We say things we don't mean. We do things we don't mean. The best that we can do is wait for those emotions to fade, wait for them to kind of still a little bit so that we can make decisions from the heart. If we can stay connected to making decisions from that heart space, we're always going to be taking action dharmically. Same thing when we're trying to read the future. Stay connected to the heart space. Stay connected to that universal flow, to that divine mystery. That's going to lead us to the best predictions. You know, it's going to lead us to the best interpretation of a chart, rather it be for ourselves or others. Same thing with the tarot. We have to stay connected to that place. It can't be, you know, overridden by the fluctuating emotions of the ego. This is a spiritual practice. Coming back, kind of making it full circle from the beginning. This is a path of divinity. And if we're going to be studying these things for ourselves, if we're going to be studying them for others, we need to let divinity be the highlight here. Not ourselves, not our egos, not what we think that we can do, not our desire to control, not our desire to speculate. It has to be coming from that clear place. And when we get wrapped up in fear, when we're scared about the future, if you don't have access to an astrologer, if you're just trying to come up with conclusions on your own, remember that mystery. And it may be better, instead of obsessing over a chart or obsessing over tarot or all these other tools, maybe better to take a moment to meditate, tune back in, feel into your body, feel into your breath, come home to the safety of that. Remind yourself with the affirmations that you are safe, that whatever happens in the future, you're open to receiving lessons. You're open to receiving knowledge. No matter what happens in the future, you will absolutely know exactly how to handle it. And no matter what happens in the future, that universal flow, that benevolent hand is right there with you, right? So I hope that this was helpful. It's definitely something that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about, um, really trying to find that. <laughs> the next time I see my teacher, I'm hoping to get some different feedback. I don't want it to be the same thing, <laughs> right? When we when we learn something, when we see it, rather it be in our chart or if it's feedback from someone that we respect, it's our responsibility to remedy that. So that's what I'm working on now. If you would like to schedule a reading with me to see what is in flow for you, to see what we can decipher utilizing the stars, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings and then chart. Of course, if you're interested in the Vedic coaching program, you can find that there as well. If you would like to sign up for Patreon and get weekly recorded horoscopes it's patreon.com slash astrology now podcast my instagram handle is astrology now underscore podcast and i think that that's it for today i'm wishing you all a wonderful week i will see you next time again my name is christine rodriguez this is astrology now thank you so much